into the 1560s this week, which is um, pretty good. And uh, we're ministering in uh, a number of states across the country in the podcast area, so we're blessed. Uh, Today, I had planned to satisfy this message last Sunday evening, but I'm not able to do so because of uh, um, something that I think you and the church world must hear and understand. Uh, and before I go into the, 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 the scripture today, I want to say this to you. M- many people who hear me preach on this say, well, I've never heard that before. No one's ever, no one's ever told us that before. And uh, uh, the, the, the message has been portrayed in a totally different fashion. So we've spent our lifetime identifying and understanding the Word of God from the perspective of which it has been taught. And now you are telling us something that we've never heard before. Well... That is only true if you didn't understand what I'm about to preach on today. Because everything I've been preaching about and talking about with regard to identifying with Him is going to come to us in Matthew chapter 16. And we're going to see from from what Jesus said to them in Matthew chapter 16 some revelations about Him that we probably have missed. As a matter of fact, I heard a man preach this week and use this text, and he pastors a huge church in California and never came to the underlying reason for why this text was written. We're going to get in there today. Stand with me in honor of the reading of God's Word. Matthew chapter 16, verses 13 through 19. When Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, He asked His disciples, saying, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? Huh. Isn't that an interesting question? Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And they said, now watch this, because there is a lot of revelation here. Some say that thou art John the Baptist. Some say Elias and other Jeremiah or one of the prophets. Then he says to them, but whom say ye that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus answered and said unto him, blessed Art thou Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven, and I say unto thee, Thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it, and I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Let's pray. Father. We thank you for the Word of God. Pray that you'd open our eyes that we can see and our ears that we can hear and our heart that we can understand what the Word of God is saying to us and then allow us to apply to our lives so that we can be changed into the image of your dear Son. 
Now, Father, we yield, sanctify, and surrender ourselves to the Holy Spirit, who is hearing directly from you, Jesus, and giving us the words that come from the throne room of God to communicate the means and methods whereby you would lead us and guide us into truth. Bring us into peace, allow us to walk in joy, and give us the opportunity to experience the glory of your dear Son. We praise you for that. We give you honor. We ask it all in the name of Jesus Christ, our High Priest, our Lord, and our man in the Godhead. Amen and amen, and you may be seated. Now, I had intended this week to begin the part of the message on cooperating with the names and characteristics of Jesus Christ. As the Holy Spirit took me to the Scripture that identified cooperating, I then saw what the process was that the disciples went through, the apostles, in order to come to the place where they could cooperate with Him. So today we're going to embark on a journey that very few people who are attempting to live the Christian life are aware. Now I want you to get that. Very few people who are attempting to live the Christian life are aware of what I'm about to tell you. So perk up your ears because the Word of God is about to speak for itself. Now someone could say, Pastor, there's no one teaching about the fact that what Jesus did at the cross is a work of His name. What Christ did at the resurrection is a work of His name. What the high priest does in the temple for the infirmities of the people is a work of His name. What He does as Lord is a work of His name. And what He does as our man in the Godhead is a work of His name. There are very few people who are preaching that. But I'm going to show it to you, and I'm going to show it to you from the mouths of Jesus as the revelation that Jesus said would be the revelation upon which He would build His church. I'm going to show that to you today. Now, we've shared with you the process of identification, and we've related that process to, the course, the names and the character traits of Jesus Christ. We've shown you how the world has subverted the process of identification until the world now can identify anything any way they want to, and claim and declare that the way they want it to be is the way it in fact is just because they said so. Also, we've showed you last Sunday night how heaven has used the tool of identification to place us into a unique position with regard to being in the Beloved. Now, we want to move into the phase of our relationship with the heavenly process. And I want you to see this scripture from Matthew chapter 16, because in this scripture, we're going to see some things that are, are where when I, I've, I, you know, I've preached on this. You know, I've taught on this. You know, I've talked about this. You know that I equated this at one time to Isaiah chapter 53. And of course, it has to be equated there. But I want you to see that when Jesus came to Caesarea Philippi, He asked His disciples, saying, Who 
do men, now watch this, say that I, the Son of Man, am? Well, who is the Son of Man? That's a very good question, isn't it? Who is the Son of Man? Well, the Son of Man had to be Jesus because he was wrapped in half of himself from Mary. He was the Son of Man who related to mankind. So in him being the Son of Man, there are two things you've got to understand. The first side of the Son of Man was the Jesus side that went to the cross and was the crucified one who died for the sins of the world and gave mankind the opportunity to be forgiven. The second side of the Son of Man was the side that went to the tomb. We saw him go to the tomb. We read about him going to the tomb. We read about them preparing him to go to the tomb. We saw him in the flesh be placed behind a boulder. And we saw the signet of the king to say that inside is this man named Jesus. He's the son of man. Now I want you to notice that because who called him that? He called himself that, didn't he? He said, I am the son of man. Whom do men say I am as the son of man am? Now watch. Jesus is asking them the question, how do people identify me? Isn't he? How do people identify with me? Isn't that what he's saying? He's saying that I am the son of man. I came and took on flesh. And I came and lived among them. How are they identifying with me? And he says to them, I am the son of man. So they should be identifying with me in what my name as the son of man is. Well, who could tell me what his name as the son of man was? It was Jesus. That was his name as the son of man. He was named Jesus. As the Son of Man, He had both Mary and the Father. They made Him who He was. He had a natural side, and He had a divine side. But as the Son of Man, He was Jesus. And He said, are the people seeing me as the Son of Man? What an interesting comment. He's wrapped in flesh just like they are. Are they identifying me in that way? Now watch. The disciples, however, they didn't understand it. What is the Son of Man? Why? Because they had seen Him do all of the miracles. They had seen Him do great works. They had seen Him turn the water into wine. They had seen him minister to the bodies of those that were sick and ill. Now, that's the Jesus from his divine side. But Jesus is calling himself from his earthly side. He said, who do they say? I, the son of man. Who am I? How are they identifying with me? I want to tell you something. 
If we fail to identify with him as the son of man, we will never identify with him in the cross. If we fail to identify with him as Jesus, we will never crucify ourselves and bury our flesh with the Son of Man. Now, this is important because unless you identify him correctly, and I'm going to show you this, unless you identify him correctly, unless you see him for who he is, why do you think Jesus is asking this question? Because they're not seeing him for who he is. Now, I'm going to show you that in just a second. It's important that you correctly identify who Jesus is. If you fail to do so, then you will live a life without the benefits of that identification. Now watch. And they said, now get this, because this, is, this, this was not placed here by accident. He said, some of them see you as John the Baptist. Some of them see you as Elijah, Elias. Some of them see you as Jeremiah. Some of them see you as a prophet. Now this was a problem. Why was it a problem, Pastor? Weren't all of those men great men? Yes. Didn't all of those men do a great ministry for God? Yes. Didn't all of those men, weren't all of those men placed in a position where God was going to do something in their life that would minister to people? Yes. But none of them were Jesus. None of them were Jesus. Now I'll show it to you. They're very ideas now. In our world, stuck in the varied ideas. One of the biggest preachers in our country, one of the most respected preachers in our country, when questioned, stood on a stage on worldwide television and made the statement, there are many ways to get to God. Jesus is not the only way to get there. Huh? We're identifying incorrectly. We're not doing the things that are correct in the eye and plan of God. So what happens to the world? We go into chaos. We go into question. We go into denominationalism. We go into a misunderstanding of the word of God. Jesus said, who do men say that I am? And they were as lost about who Jesus was as our world is today. They said he's got to be John the Baptist. That's all we can think of. He's got to be Elijah. That's it. He's got to be. Got to be Elijah sent back from God. Got to have been Jeremiah or, in fact, one of the prophets. Now, all of the references were men that had a great message, men that had a great ministry, but they were not the ones who had the full knowledge of the divine plan and the divine pattern of God. Now, they all had a ministry, but they did not all express the capabilities or the benefits that were in Jesus Christ. Now, look at this. John the Baptist, he preached repentance, didn't he? 
He told them that there was one coming who was going to come in such power that he would be the one who would baptize you in fire and the Holy Spirit. Now, if the church stopped there, do you know where we would be? We would be in the cycle of sin and going back to repentance over and over and over again. Now, when he preached to Israel, remember now, Israel was a people under the law. They understood the cycle of sin. What do you mean, Pastor? Well, they understood that when they acted crazy and they committed sin, there was an animal that was specific to that sin, and they would go back to the altar, place their hand on the head, take the knife by the placing of hand, put their sin into that animal, slit his throat and kill him. The blood would pour into the vat, and the priest would then take that and offer it before God. They understood the cycle of sin. So when John the Baptist was referenced, they were referencing the cycle of sin. Hmm, isn't that interesting? That the Son of Man, who was Jesus Christ, would be the one to go to the cross and say, if you find me here, you'll find total forgiveness. But if you sin you'll have to come back to the cross. Now, what did the Word of God say about that in Hebrews chapter 6? It said that you crucify Him afresh. Is that the life we want to live as Christians? Because we can find Him as the Son of Man, and we can live under John the Baptist's message. Someone said, what about this Holy Ghost and fire thing that John said? Well, John said that there's coming one who's going to not only preach repentance, but he's going to bring you to a fire baptism. He's going to bring you to a sanctified life. So if all we ever found is John the Baptist's ministry, we would find the cycle of sin, and we would do service to get to the sanctified life. That's interesting, isn't it? Now then, of course, there was Elijah. If all we ever got out of the Son of Man was Elijah's message, let me tell you what we would have got. We would have gotten a lot of miracles. You know what happens with miracles, don't you? You know what happens with miracles, don't you? Have you studied any of the guys that do miracles that are, that are preaching and causing uh, that God is bringing miracles through their ministry? Have you watched that at all? What happens? They say that ain't true. That ain't true. That didn't happen that way. Here's how they do it. They, they get you up there and they put their finger in your ear and they stand behind you and they click and it's the good ear that hears, not the bad ear. Have you heard all that? How about those people that they say, well, they got healed, and they walk off and say they're healed, and then a week later they're sick again. Have you heard that? God doesn't do miracles like that, they say. God doesn't operate like that. God is not in the miracle business, and anybody believes that isn't believing the right thing because miracles become commonplace. But yet we can go to a doctor. 
We could take chemotherapy. Walk out of there and say, the doctor gave me a medicine. And everybody says, yes, amen. Thank God for doctors. Thank God for modern medicine. Never pay attention to the fact. Because miracles become common. And the next thing you know, everybody becomes a skeptic. So had we relied on Elijah's ministry, what else would we have seen? Well, we would have seen the resurrection because Elijah was taken in a whirlwind. We would have seen the part of Elijah's ministry where he was resurrected, taken in a whirlwind, just like Jesus was. So in, in Elijah's ministry, we would have seen great miracles. We would have seen the resurrected Jesus taken away. But that wasn't all Jesus did. Now let's look at Jeremiah's ministry. Jeremiah was called the weeping prophet. He was a man that preached a message that God said is going to be rejected. People aren't going to listen to you. You're going to preach and preach and preach and they're going to not pay attention and they're going to live like the world and you're going to weep and be burdened over them but no one's going to care. So if all we ever saw from Elijah's, from Jeremiah's ministry was the fact that he was a rejected man, that he was the one who Jeremiah prophesied they would kill all of these kids trying to kill him because he was rejected. What ministry would we have in the Son of Man? What ministry would we have if all we had was repentance? If all we had was miracles? If all we had was the resurrection? If all we had was the crucifixion? If all we had was a rejected man, what ministry would we have? So as they looked into this, they realized through all of these great ministries, and I'm not going to tell you everything they did, but through all of the great ministry of John the Baptist, Elias, Jeremiah, and all of the prophets, you see, if they just looked at him as a prophet, they would never see him as priest and king. Think about that. They would never know him as priest. They would never know him as king. Now I want to stop a second here and I want to show you something. In John's ministry, they saw him as the one preaching repentance. As the one baptizing with the Holy Spirit. In Elijah's ministry, they saw him as the miracle worker and the resurrected one. In Jeremiah's ministry, they saw him as the rejected, crucified one. In the prophet's ministry, they saw him as prophet, priest, and king. Now, what does that mean to you and me? Because Jesus started this whole thing out by asking a question. Whom do they say, I, the Son of Man, am? Well, they had seen him as Jesus, the Son of Man. But in the ministry of John the Baptist, Elias, Jeremiah, and the prophets, they also saw him 
as Christ, the victoriously anointed, resurrected one. Isn't that how they saw Elijah? And then they saw him as the prophet, priest, and king, the high priest. Then they saw him as the Lord. Where did they see him as the Lord? Whose ministry did they see him as the Lord on? Well, they had to see him as the Lord in Elijah's ministry because he was Lord over every sickness and disease. He was the one who did the miracles. He was the one whom the body obeyed. He was the one whom the dead obeyed. Then did they see him as God? Well, they had to. Because they saw him as the one who gave the Holy Spirit in John the Baptist. And seeing all of those men's ministry, the identification of who Jesus Christ, our high priest, Lord and God, actually was, came to the forefront. Now, Peter is about to say something here that substantiates exactly what I've just told you. Now, watch. In the ministry of these three men, you can clearly see that what the, the works that Jesus was doing and would do were present in every one of their ministries. He was there. He was operating in those five names through their ministry. For this reason, when we look through the lens of appearances and we remain in the intellectual stage and say, who is he? We would say, well, he is like John the Baptist. He is like Elijah. He is like Jeremiah. And he is like a prophet. From the intellect, that's easy to see. And therein lies the problem with our world today. We have so intellectualized the Word of God that we cannot see the underlying truth. We have so made it a process of our thinking <clears throat> that we cannot see the underlying truth of what is actually being stated in the Scripture because we run through it like it's a book called War and Peace and we just read it as if it's a novel. And if it doesn't hold our attention, we close it up and say, I don't understand it, I don't get it, it's too deep, it's too hard, it's too much, there's too small a writing, I can't take it in the King James language, I can't take it in the NIV language, I can't understand it in this way, and the preacher makes it all sound too deep, too hard, too much, too this, too that, too the other, so I just ain't going to read it. The reality is, we never get the underlying truth because we can't get our intellect out of the way. Jesus said, Jesus said, He said, I'm a greater one than all of these. He said, Elijah prophesied about me. Now, I didn't prophesy about him. He prophesied about me. He said, there is a man named Solomon of who you think is a man of great wisdom and a man of great under a greater one than Solomon is here. Think about that. Now, if I can get this to work now, glory to God. All of those men bore pieces of the puzzle, but they were not the puzzle. All of them did. All of them did. Now, what's the lesson here? The lesson here is, that inaccurate identification 
when we inaccurately identify him, when we leave him in the, uh, in the intellectual box, we never get to the understanding of how to get the benefits out of who he is because we remain in the topical notion of the things that we can understand. Now, we have a book that has endured over 2,000 years of teaching and preaching. Think about that. We have countless churches preaching the gospel in every town. We have teachers, preachers, and worship leaders going around the world. We have mass communications through media to take the gospel around the world. But we are still at odds about who he is. How could that be? We're still in lack of understanding about who he was. Answering and covering the same ground, walking around the same mountain, week after week and day after day, wondering, where are we going? And if, if this is the avenue that's right, why isn't it working for me? Hmm, we're still at odds about the truth. We're still at odds about the truth. We're still at odds about who he is. I want to ask you today, who is Jesus Christ? Who is he? Who is the Son of Man in your life, in your belief system? Who is he? Have you relegated him? Have you brought him down to be the man that you can deal with? Because that's what they did in Jesus' day. They said, we've seen John. We know what John did. We know what to expect from old John. We saw and read Elijah. We knew what Elijah was doing, what he expected to do, how he did it, and we can identify with him. We saw Jeremiah never understanding that in each of these men and the prophets, the common thread was who is Jesus. So who is he to you today? Who is he to you today? Who is he to you today? You can say, well, pastor, he's Jesus. And I'll ask you this question. Listen carefully. Is that good enough for you? Is that good enough for you? And you're sitting there looking at me saying, now what's he talking about? What are you, what are you trying to say? What's he mean? Is it good enough for you that he just be Jesus? Because it was not good enough for Jesus. What? It wasn't good enough for Jesus, for him to be seen just as Jesus. And if it wasn't good enough for him, it's not going to be good enough for you. Now you go back and read this. I'm going to move further into this this evening. But you go back and read this, and you'll find out that the church was built on 
more than just the Son of Man. If He is enough for you as Jesus, then let me tell you where you will live. You will live at the cross. And you will live encircling your sin nature over and over and over again. You will live in a state of continual frustration because of the things that continue to crop up in your life that you can't figure out why I have to keep doing this again and again and again and again and again. It seems like that if he died for my sin, I could get over my sin. But yet, I come back to the cross. I say, God, forgive me. Now, God, you know I'm weak. God, you know I'm tired. God, you know I want to do better. God, you know I'm going to do everything I can to be better. Until that person steps in your path the next time. Until someone says something you don't like. Until your flesh jumps up in you and you begin to operate through the lust of the eye, the pride of life, and the lust of the flesh. And now you're back to the cross. Now I want to ask you, is that good enough for you? Is that sufficient for you? Is that all there is to living a Christian life? And I would submit to you as I read Matthew chapter 16, the answer to that is unequivocally and without question, no. Absolutely not. Your life should reflect who he is. He did not stop as the son of man. He did not stop as the one preaching repentance. He did not stop as the one who was talking the Holy Spirit. He did not stop with miracles. He did not stop with the resurrection. He did not stop with the crucifixion. He put all of those into a package and he became the man, Jesus Christ, the high priest, our Lord and our God. That's who he is. And that's what he is to us. But we have been taught that the cross is our picture. That the cross is where we need to be. But Jesus said to Peter, when Peter called him, listen what he called him, he said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Now hold on a minute, preacher. You mean to tell me that Peter went beyond his understanding of the Son of Man? Yeah. Uh -huh. And Jesus looked at him and said, Peter, flesh and blood didn't tell you this. This is a revelation. And from this revelation, 
I'm going to build my church. And when I build it, I'm going to be Lord over it because the gates of hell will never prevail against it. Where did we see? What are we looking at? We're looking at Jesus. He called himself that when he said, Son of Man. We're looking at the high priest who can be touched with the feelings of our infirmities. He called himself that when he called himself the Son of Man. We're looking at Christ, the victoriously anointed one who has risen from the dead with the spirit of life that is in himself to bring you into the likeness of his resurrection and the new garments of praise. We're looking at him as the son of God, the one who is seated at the right hand of God in the Godhead, thereby communicating with the church through the Holy Ghost. We're looking at him as total Lord over hell, heaven, and earth, whereby the gates of hell can no longer prevail against his people who are in his church, who are complete in him. Oh, yeah. You can stay at the cross if you want to. You can live in the message of that ministry if you desire, but there is more, and Jesus said so. He said, whenever you get into my name, you're going to be able to bind, and you're going to be able to loose. You're going to be able to make free, and you're going to be able to make whole. When you get into my name, you're going to come into the place where the church lives in the power of Almighty God because of who I am. Yeah. Well, are you satisfied? That's the question you have to ask because that's what the church, the world of the church, is trying to get you to live. They're trying to get you to stay. They're trying to get you to understand how to get around sin, not how to live in the power that the church has been given. Trying to get you just to get to heaven. Oh, that's a good thing. I want to go to heaven, don't you? I want to go to heaven. I want to be there when the roll is called up yonder. When the roll is called up yonder. When the roll is called up yonder. When the roll is called up yonder, I'll be there. Oh, I want to be there. I'm no different than anybody else. The thing I found out, though, is that in the process of being there and getting there, Paul told me that I could have Christ on the inside of me as a hope of glory. Paul told me that I was translated out of darkness 
into the glorious light of the kingdom of his dear son. I can live this life in light of who Jesus is, who Christ is, who the high priest is. Grace and mercy can be released to me. The Lord can be Lord over everything. And I can see him as the God who communicates directly, distinctly to me, peace, joy, the spirit of truth, and all of his glory. But the church doesn't want that. They don't want that. How you know, Pastor? Because they read Matthew 16 just like I did. The difference was they saw it through the eyes of the intellect. I saw it through the eyes of the Spirit. I heard what the Holy Ghost said. Someone said, now, Pastor, you putting yourself... No, 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 I ain't putting myself nowhere. I'm telling you that the Holy Ghost will give you insight, concepts, and ideas about the revelation of truth. Why? From where? Well, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Jesus communicating from the right hand of God as the man in the Godhead who is speaking directly to us through the Holy Spirit and leading us and guiding us into truth and reproving us and giving us revelation about righteousness and judgment. This is what he does. This is how he functions. For those who are willing to listen, for those who are willing to watch, for those who are willing to pray. Now you can make your choice. You can be satisfied. You can go to heaven on the cross. You can go to heaven because you say you went to the tomb. Or you can be transformed by the resurrection. Or you can become a priest who is a brother of Jesus Christ, our high priest, and have grace and mercy and the access into the throne room of God belong to you and in there find him as Lord and then let him communicate to you every day. Let him talk to you every day. Let you speak directly to him every day. Because he is our man in the Godhead bodily. You make the call. It's not my call. I've made my choice. I have made my desire known. And what I'm going to live by. And how I'm going to believe. And what I'm going to take out of the revelation of God's word. And I'm going to choose to follow after every name. Every step. Every breath. And I'm going to tell you where I learned it. I learned it from old brother Paul. Paul said, be ye imitators of me even as I imitate Christ. I learned it right in the word of God. The revelation of truth that comes through the Holy Spirit. We can stay where we are. And I'll tell you the truth, we can be safe. We can be safe just staying in the cross. 
we'll look up and see a glass ceiling and be frustrated by our sin. Or we can move on. What did the writer of the book of Hebrews chapter 6 say? He said, moving on from the principles and foundations. Hebrews chapter 6, get in there and read it. He said, moving on from the principles of the doctrine, the baptism and laying on hands. He said, moving on from those things. Go on. Go on to what's next. There are foundation things that are great. But if you stay in the foundation, you never build the house. Bow your head and close your eyes. Father, I thank you for the word of God today. I pray that you will minister to your people. I pray that their eyes would be open and their ears would hear what the word of God is saying to them. That they would begin to see you for who you are. That they would look into Matthew chapter 16 and see that Jesus is mentioned there as the Son of Man. The high priest is mentioned there as the one who relates to mankind. So when Jesus was the Son of Man, He was related. That Christ, the resurrected anointed one, is mentioned there. That the Son of God, the man in the Godhead, is mentioned there. That the gates of hell not prevailing, the Lordship of Jesus Christ, is assured there. Everything that you are is given to the church. Everything that you, every piece of who you are, all of the puzzle put together in one man, Paul said, you are complete in him. You are complete in him. That means that your sin nature comes under control of the Lordship of Jesus Christ. That means that your divine side has now become the priest's side of you. That you are living in communication, direct communication with God. And the Godhead is giving you directly what you need. It's all there, God. It's all there. Today, as we stand to our feet and raise our hands, we simply say, Fill me, God. Fill me with who you are. Fill me with Jesus. Fill me with Jesus. Fill me with Jesus Christ. Fill me with the high priest. Fill me with the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Fill me with the man in the Godhead that speaks to me and communicates. Fill me! Touch me! Lift me! Release me! Reveal it to me! Give to me what it is that you have promised me that you would give. I bow my heart, my intellect, and surrender myself to you. So that Jesus, who has built the church on the revelation of himself, can be real in me. Can be real to me. And that his name can operate and function in such a way that the blessings and promises of God can flow through me, can flow to me, and can flow out of me into a world that needs to know the Jesus Christ, the High Priest, the Lord, and the God. Thank you for it. Thank you for it. Thank you for it. Say it. I thank you, Jesus. I thank you. I thank you. I thank you. I thank you for the revelation. 
I thank you for the knowledge of truth. I thank you for now being free in my spirit to see you as you are. I thank you for that freedom. I glory in your name. You are worthy. Now I recognize all of the worthiness of Jesus Christ, my high priest, Lord and God. Not just the worthy lamb, but the worthy spirit of life. Not just the worthy spirit of life, but the worthy high priest. Not just the worthy high priest, but the worthy Lord who is over everything in heaven, hell, and earth. And the worthy man in the Godhead who is willing to speak to me. Father, we praise you and thank you. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Now I want to speak to those of you and you can be seated and we'll dismiss in just a moment. If you don't know him today, I want you to know him. You'll find him as Jesus, the Son of Man. When you find him as Jesus, the Son of Man, he will forgive you your sins and you can be saved. Then you'll need to go to the tomb with that Jesus and bury your flesh. Lay aside the world. And then follow him on down to the resurrection and be born in the spirit of the newness of life in the likeness of His resurrection, just as you were in the likeness of His crucifixion. Then as you grow in Him, you'll understand your relation to Him as High Priest and your role as a priest. You'll then go into the very throne room of God, access it, find grace and mercy from there, and find the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And then as you grow in Him and mature, you'll recognize Him as the man in the Godhead who speaks to you directly and leads you and guides you into all truth. Sometimes He reproves you. Sometimes He convicts you. But in all times, He convinces you of who He is. Won't you pray with me today? Father, forgive me. I'm a sinner. I want to know this man. I want to know Him. I want to identify Him correctly. So today I ask that Jesus to forgive me. Today I want to make my complete allegiance to know Him in the power of His resurrection and to grow in Him until I come into the knowledge of full truth and full wisdom. I ask it in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Now if you prayed that prayer, the Bible declares that you have accepted Christ as your Savior. Grow and go. Get yourself in the house of God. Get yourself under the ministry of God. Listen to our material. It'll bless you. And I want to tell you today, the anointing is flowing through me. You can always tell when the anointing is working. And somebody that's listening to the sound of my voice today, needs healing so as I pray for you today and as I lift my hands towards this camera I speak to your body in the name of Jesus you are Lord you are high priest who's been touched with the feelings of the infirmities of those that are listening and sick those that are listening and downhearted those that are listening and discouraged I raise the Word of God, in the name of Jesus Christ, my High Priest, who's touched with the feelings of your infirmities. And I ask you today to receive grace 
by faith, through faith, and be healed. Let it be healed by the power of Almighty God, the power that's in the names of Jesus Christ. I release that to you today. I release healing into your life. You take it by faith. You walk in it by faith. The anointing is rich and real. And it's coming to you as you receive by faith. In the name of Jesus Christ, our High Priest, our Lord, and our God. Amen and amen. Stand with me and let's be dismissed. Father, I pray that you will go with these. That you'll be with them this week. That you'll keep them. That you'll watch over them. That you'll take care of every move they make. That the power of the Holy Spirit and the angels of God would minister to those, the heirs of salvation, until they be blessed. God, that you would minister to Monica as she's coming into a procedure. That you would give her peace and encouragement. God, take care of everyone. Keep us in prayer. Keep us in expectancy. May our faith, may our faith move. And may you be blessed by our ability to hold fast the word of truth. Thank you, Father. As you go your way, know that he is Lord and God who is speaking to you in the days that lay ahead. Amen. God bless you until we speak again.